Thanks for tuning in to the Glenridge Church message. Our mission is to love God, love people, and live to change the world. If we can help you in any way at all, feel free to reach out to us on hello at glenridge.org.za. Hello Glenridge, it's Jan here and it's so awesome that I get to share the word. I never take it for granted or take it lightly and I just trust that I would just be an empty vessel this morning that Holy Spirit could work through me and minister to you as I share this word. And so we are in a series on the holiness of God, on holy and what it means and the guys have been unpacking holiness and I wanted to title my preach the glorious groom this morning. And we've been going through the holiness and what it looks like. And I've been so challenged as to how we as a bride can prepare ourselves for the great return of our God, of the bridegroom. And so in Ephesians 5, if you have your notes and you're taking notes, if you're a note taker like me, get your notes out. But Ephesians 5 verse 25 to 27 is something that the Lord has really highlighted to me. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. And verse 27 is so important. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish so that she might be holy and without blemish. And so friends, how do we become this holy bride? It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been given the Holy Spirit. He comes and makes us holy. It's not by our own doing or our own works. It's actually about us surrendering to Jesus, recognizing the great work of the cross of Christ and it's how he has imputed his holiness onto us. And so we've got to remember that no matter what, when God looks at us, he looks through the perfect lens of Jesus Christ, who is holy and without blemish and beautiful. So I want us to look at the Hebrew bride. So the Hebrew bride and the way that the the Hebrew culture does weddings is so different to the Western outlook on how we do weddings today. So in the Jewish culture, the wedding is actually called a simcha, and it means it's a joyous occasion. It's joyful. That's a wedding literally means joyful. And so there's there's a few legalities in a, in a Hebrew wedding, but I just want to discuss uh, three today. And there's an arrangement that's that's done. Then there's a contract that's taken place very similar to us. We don't have an arrangement. Some of us do maybe, but we don't in Western culture. Then we have an, a, a contract that's drawn up with all the legalities. And then in a Hebrew wedding, there's a betrothal ceremony. Now, in preparation for the wedding day, the bride and for this betrothal ceremony, the bride and the groom separately actually immerse themselves in water. Isn't that amazing? So separately, they immerse themselves in water, which signifies Um, sanctification, a purification. Once that's done, after the immersion, the couple enter the hooper, which is a marriage canopy, which represents a new household being being established where they do the vows, etc. 
And then they enter the betrothal period, which lasts for about a year. We see in the book of Esther where she's done, there's beauty preparations being done for a whole year before she's presented to the king. And in this period, although the couple are considered married by law, they actually do not live together yet, um, or they don't even have intimacy together yet. During this period, the groom goes to the father's house, where in that day and that culture, it was customary for the the groom to prepare a room where sometimes they would build a room onto their father's house. Doesn't that remind you of the scripture where Jesus says, I go to a place to my father's house and will prepare a room for you? Because actually back in the day in the Hebrew culture, the groom would actually go back to his father's house and literally physically prepare a room for his bride. And the bride undergoes her own marriage preparations where she, um, you know, anoints herself with with oil or creates her own wedding garments, make sure that there's nothing binding to her, that she's preparing herself for her groom to present herself wholly without blemish, without spot or wrinkle. So why am I telling all of this today? I want that to be the context, to be the, the setting of the preach. But now I'm going to jump to our main text. So we've got Ephesians 5, and now I want us to look at Hebrews 12. Uh, Paul is writing here, Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2. And he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to unpack this verse in light of the Hebrew culture of the wedding. How are we being, how are we preparing ourselves for the return of the bridegroom? He's coming back for a ready church. I preached not so long ago on a battle-ready bride where we're called to take the sword, take the sword of the spirit. It's time to be battle-ready. We're getting ready. And so now I want to preach about how we can prepare ourselves and, and sanctify ourselves with the work of the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's never on our own. That's just law and works and religion. But it's always through the enabling of the great enabler, the Holy Spirit. And so my four points today is a ready bride washes herself, as we see with the Hebrew bride. She submerges herself in water. Wears a bridal attire, the Hebrew bride puts on her wedding garment watches for her bridegroom and waits for her bridegroom. So what I didn't say was that the Hebrew bride goes into with that year, with approximately the year preparation for her wedding ceremony for the bridegroom to come back and get her. She goes back to her house, she waits, and she doesn't know the exact time or day that the bridegroom's coming. She wait, watches and waits for him to come. And so we're going to jump into the first point. A bride wash, a Hebrew bride washes herself. Hebrews 12, Paul says, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so tightly. Some translations say um, anything that uh, which entangles, which clings so closely, which easily distracts. What garments 
are we wearing as a community or individually that we actually are called to lay aside so we can run this race with endurance? Part of laying aside the weights and sin is the washing. Um, just like the Hebrew bride submerges herself in the water as a, as a sign that she's purifying herself, we are called to wash ourselves and present ourselves as a holy people before him. Ephesians 5, I read it, says that, um, says, Husbands, love your wives, and it goes on to say, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Isn't that so beautiful that one way we can, the word of God is a two-edged sword. It cuts and it heals. And so as we read this, we are actually called to the more of God. The word um, for weight in the Greek original language is burden or it's actually fat. It's something that hinders you, it weighs you down. And so I want to ask you and challenge you this morning, Glenridge, what are you wearing? What is weighing you down? What burden are you carrying that's weighing you down in this, this life that we are called to run with endurance, this race, run this race? Anything that trips us up in this life or easily distracts us, we are called to lay aside. When our vision is Jesus, the bridegroom, we desire to present ourselves as pure living sacrifices. And as we become more aware of him, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. It's this beautiful thing. As we, as we focus our eyes to him, we're actually sanctified because we want to be more like him because we become who we behold. So as we behold the person of Jesus Christ, we naturally, sin is brought to the surface. We're convicted because we don't want anything um, being in the way of us being with our first love, Jesus Christ. What are we, what are we, what is God, what is Holy Spirit asking you to lay aside this morning? What garments are you called to lay aside? I want you to write it down on a piece of paper and I want you to throw it away in the bin. That we are called to lay it aside. And number two, we are called to wear, to put on garments. So as we lay aside the weight, the garments, the, the heavy things that hinder us, we're also called to dress ourselves. And in this context of this verse, Hebrews 12, Paul actually encourages us to dress ourselves with endurance in this context. It's voluntary. He says, um, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so tightly and run the race with endurance. We've, we're called to daily choose him with endurance. It's a season of intentionality, I really believe. We've got to choose him over and over and over again. Part of the process of a Hebrew bride and her, is to actually, in that year of prepar preparations, is to make her own wedding garment. The good news is that he's made the garments for us. It's the garment of salvation, the garment of righteousness. We are dressed in the garments of righteousness. It's his righteousness imputed onto us. Isaiah 61 verse 10 says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with jewels isn't that so beautiful he dresses us in his robes of righteousness and so I want you this morning if you um, are feeling like I'm a filthy rag I want you to come and repent 
and then receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and receive his robes of righteousness because it's not by our own doing. It's all by grace that we have been saved. And he is clothing you in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Romans 13 verse 14 says, Clothe yourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the desires of the flesh. He gives us a robe of beauty for ashes, garments of praise for heaviness, joy for mourning. We've got to choose to put these things on. As we behold him, he actually puts it on us. And then thirdly, watch. Paul says, um, Paul says in Hebrews 12, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and run this race with endurance, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So we are called to watch, watch Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. As we watch him, as we behold Jesus, he perfects our faith. So can you see it's such a grace, it's such a wrestling thing. All we have to do is look at Jesus. He perfects our faith. Um, after the betrothal ceremony, ceremony and after the betrothal period, the Hebrew bride watches for her groom. Matthew 24 verse 42 says, Keep watch because you do not know on which day the Lord will come. Watch, behold him. He's given us eyes to see him. Uh, Matthew 5 verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God, I want to be found pure before him because I want to see God in his beauty, in his, in his whole fullness. I want to see all of him. I want to see him rightly. And I want to have a pure heart. David says in the psalm, search me and know me, God, and let see, see if there be any grievance way in me and help me. We want to be a people who want to see God rightly. So we want God to help us have a pure heart because we are temples of the Holy Spirit. He is looking for people to dwell in. Will we behold him and be fashioned and formed into the likeness of Christ? My last point, wait. I love that Paul says, he says, um, I'm going to read that verse again and again, but he says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So Jesus, we've got, we're called to wait with vision. Sorry, that's so wrong. We are called yeah, to wait with vision and our vision is joy. And so what was the vision that Jesus had when he endured the cross? Because he had, there was joy before him. What was his vision? It was us. The joy that was set before him was us. It was to be in perfect union with us. Isn't that so amazing that we are, we are the joy of, of the Father. And so um, I want to ask us this morning, what is your vision? It's to be we need, we need to be a people of vision. David writes, or it's Song of Solomon's, I can't remember, but he says, we need to be a people of vision, for without vision, people perish. So I want to encourage us this morning to get vision. And if you don't have vision, Jesus can be your vision. Um, he has anointed us with the oil of gladness, and it's about being hidden in Christ. We've got to be a people who are so intentional, choosing him over and over, putting on his garments of righteousness. 
and to be have a have a, be a people who have joy. And so as we behold this glorious groom, as we wash ourselves daily in the word, as we wash ourselves in the finished work of, of the cross of Christ, because he did it all for us, as we wear, as we put on Christ, submitted, submitting and yielding to him, not the desires of the flesh, but submitting and yielding to, to, to the spirit. As we watch, as we behold the bridegroom and as we wait joyously for his return, we will become a people who are ready, ready to meet him. And I just want to end this preach um, in the message, trans- the message Bible translation of Hebrews 12. And it says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and finish line. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, Go over that story again and again, atom by atom. That long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Father God, I thank you that you have called us to lay aside the weights and the sins which cling so tightly and to run this race with endurance. And I pray that you would impart a hunger and a desire to meet with you. Whoever's watching today, Lord, I pray that you would put a hunger in their hearts to look at you, to behold the great and glorious groom, God the Father, Jesus, the Son. And I pray, Holy Spirit, would you empower us and enable us to behold you, to lay aside the things which which cling so tightly and to look at you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And I pray you would convict us of anything that might be in the way of us running this race with endurance. We love you, Jesus, and we give you all the glory. Amen. Thank you, Glenridge.